Yeah, the old technology, you know, bed alarms, you know, the bed alarm rings when it's too late. So th this is um, tracking restlessness in bed or restlessness in the chair. And like I said, uh, it, it alarms to the um, staff's mobile device. It probably gives them a, a good 30 seconds to, to get in there and see what's going on before something does happen. Uh, and it's really been pretty incredible because now, you know, we only are into this a few months, uh, but so far we've seen an 80% reduction in falls for these folks, which is like wow. amazing. It's just, it's just amazing. Hello and welcome to Hymnscast. United Methodist Communities, headquartered in Net, New Jersey, is a faith-based, not-for-profit senior living facility and healthcare provider. Like healthcare organizations large and small across the country, United Methodist Communities recently found itself needing to improve its technology suite with the addition of remote patient monitoring capabilities and additional telehealth, in this case focusing on fall detection. Uh, Larry Carlson, CEO and President of UMC, recently spoke with Healthcare IT News, and I've invited him to come on the show and chat with me a little bit about that experience and some of the lessons learned. Hi, Larry. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Before we get into it, I just want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Khajiit. Khajiit provides managed IoT connectivity to deliver safe, reliable, and controlled internet connectivity to healthcare professionals, enterprises, state, and local governments, including education and IoT solution providers. Khajiit offers hybrid and multi-network access across all major global wireless networks and is committed to working closely with you to make your IoT solutions a reality. To learn more, visit khajiit.net slash healthIoT. That's K-A-J-E-E-T. So thanks to them. And Larry, uh, why don't we get started just a, a little bit of an introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about UMC, and about uh, what spurred these sort of recent efforts to, um, to deploy more remote patient monitoring technology. Well, um, you know, United Methodist Communities is a faith-based, not-for-profit organization. Uh, we have a statewide presence in New Jersey, uh, operating senior living uh, skilled nursing, assisted living, memory support, hospice, um, affordable housing, and a home care uh, division. And we have uh, nine communities and three home care offices. Uh, we serve about 1,500 uh, residents in our communities and another 300 in our home care division. And um, we've been around for uh, over 100 years, so it's uh, been a while. I've been the CEO uh, going into my 10th year now. And uh, we've uh, really advanced our uh, reach with technology, uh, both in terms of our breadth and, and depth of, of what we're trying to do. And so when the uh, CARES Act uh, was enacted back in the spring, we, uh, it sort of prompted us to think, you know, what, uh, what can we do? We, we want to do something bold with it uh, for our residents. And uh, one of the issues that's, uh, you know, constantly on our mind is... Uh, resident falls and hospital readmission rates. And we uh, came across this product um, uh, from Virtue Alert uh, that uh, seemed to make some sense. And we, we, we uh, had seen it before, uh, but with the uh, funds available from the uh, CARE Act, um, we were able to implement it. So uh, we uh, submitted a rather bold request 
and uh, we were awarded nine hundred thousand uh, dollars for through the CARES Act to uh, advance this technology. Now, how large is your facility? How many patients are we talking about here? Well, uh, as I said, we serve fifteen hundred in our communities across the state. So. Uh, this went into uh, four of our uh, skilled nursing buildings, and uh, we put uh, 20 units uh, in each uh, building um, for our most um, fall-at-risk residents. So 80 units in, in, in total. Tell me a little more about how the technology works, especially I know working with communities of seniors, it's important to have something that doesn't uh, necessarily require too much engagement or tech savvy from them. It's something you know that's very passive. So you know we've we've been we do we've been piloting various technologies over the years, and you know one of the challenges uh, with wearables is that a lot of people don't like them, and uh, the the uh, another challenge with cameras is you know people don't like that either from the point of view that it's uh, like Big Brother is watching. Um, so this particular uh, product. Uh, um, is a is a camera, but it doesn't take uh, pictures like you and I would normally see it, like a video. It's sort of um, it knows something's there, but you can't really see specific specifically the person. Um, you know, in terms of like the facial qualities and things like that. Right, it's like computer vision, but not video. Ex exactly. So, um, so we have these uh, uh, cameras or mo monitors. Uh, in each of the rooms, and they're um, uh, aimed at the person when they're in bed and, and, and when they're in their chair. And so it allows the uh, staff to sort of be tr triggered uh, when there's movement in the bed, so when they're about to get up. And so it, it allows, it probably gives the staff an extra 30 seconds to uh, uh, get to the room uh, before somebody is trying to get out of bed and potentially falling down. And, uh, and, the, and the staff read this on, on their um, mobile device. Okay, so it's not just about, it's not about detecting um, falls that have already happened. It's, it's about sort of knowing when to fall. Yeah, the old technology, yeah. you know, bed alarms, you know, the bed alarm rings when it's too late. So th this is um, tracking restlessness in bed or restlessness in the chair. And like I said, uh, it, it alarms to the... Um, staff's mobile device probably gives them a, a good 30 seconds to, to get in there and see what's going on before something does happen. Uh, and it's really been pretty incredible because now, you know, we only are into this a few months, uh, but so far we've seen an 80% reduction in falls for these folks, which is like wow. amazing. It's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And are you monitoring anything uh, beyond falls? I know that you also were were working on sort of managing your patients' chronic conditions, especially because of COVID and trying to reduce office visits. Yeah, so so we another part of the grant was to um, get some interoperability going um, with some physician offices so that we could uh, have re you know remote physician visits. So uh, we we worked on that as as well. But uh, the main event of the of the uh, award is going toward this uh, fall detection. Got it. Um, tell me about some of the challenges that that you faced uh, implementing this. Uh, anything harder than you expected, or or any surprises? So um, I wouldn't say surprises, and it certainly wasn't hard. It's just things that you know needed to get 
uh, needed to be dealt with. Uh, you know, we, we have sort of a unique room layout um, where uh, the beds are toe-to-toe, so to speak, as opposed to side-by-side. And so the original uh, concept behind these uh, cameras was they would be mounted on the wall at the foot of the bed. Well, there is no wall at the foot of the bed. So um, we had to figure out how we're going to mount these from the ceiling, and we had to get some, uh, you know, uh, power up there in, in order to do that. So like I said, it wasn't really hard, but it just was something we had to do. Um, you know, we, we had to schedule the trainings uh, around our lockdown, uh, you know, um, because we couldn't, because the, the training had to be done in person. And so it had to be at a time when the buildings were safe for the people to uh, come in and provide that training. For the staff. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, lastly, we just, we need to make sure that the, the staff is, uh, is going to trust the capabilities of, of the system. Um, to make sure that they um, are using it. And uh, as it's turned out, the staff love it and uh, they want more. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that's what you want to see um, with the new technology, definitely. And the, the as far as the patients or the residents, um, they've, they've responded positively to it too? They have. And, and I, cause I think they feel that uh, they're in a safer environment. And, and the concern over the big brother watching has really not been an issue. Right. Well, that's great. Yeah. And, and that sort of takes us a little bit into the area of privacy. I did want to ask about, um, you know, whether there's any concerns with this around data security, I suppose, since it's such a sort of um, basic piece of information, are they, are they getting restless? That might even be a big concern, but I, I'm interested to know if you've had any any troubles with that generally, you know, as, as you kind of wire your, your um, facilities more? Well, I mean, you just, you know, things that need to be HIPAA compliant and, um, you know, obviously that, that is a big concern of ours. And, um, you know, we, we do cybersecurity audits and, and um, those kinds of things frequently to make sure that uh, we're not getting ourselves into a situation that's not going to be uh, appropriate. One more kind of, thing to, to ask about is, is connectivity. Has there, was there any issue? Uh, is this, is this whole thing wireless or wired or what would you, what did you have to do to sort of make sure that you had the bandwidth? So initially, yes, there were some issues to work out with our different communities with regards to the, the wireless, um, you know, the Wi-Fi coverage, let's face it, Wi-Fi coverage can be the primary bottleneck for new tech innovation, um, in communities like ours. And so, um, you know, we did have a um, couple of our buildings. It was no problem at all. A couple, the couple of the other buildings, we needed to uh, put some more sensors up so we could make sure we had the right coverage. And uh, I guess that the grant money uh, was enough to help cover that too. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit. Uh, I, I want to segue soon into talking a little more broadly about remote patient monitoring, but I'm interested in um, sort of the, I guess, how you guys became aware of the sort of the availability of this grant and um, how, how has that piece of it sort of like the the political will that sort of enabled this? How, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you think that um, the government should be doing more of that? Or yeah. Well, in, you know, I had seen this product um a while back, and uh, we were pretty impressed with it, but um, it's really expensive. 
And, um, and so when, when the CARES Act money became available, I, I just sort of felt this was our time to try to see what we could, could do with this. So I, I really felt like it was good technology and, and, and good tech and the people who are, are um, offering it are really smart people. Um, you know, they're, they're, I call them on the, not on the cutting edge, I call them on the bleeding edge of technology a lot of times. And um, I just, we would just wanted to be a part of that. And there really is a connection here to, to COVID because if you can keep, if you can keep falls down and you keep, then you keep patients from having to go into the hospitals, that greatly reduces the risk of the virus being brought into your long-term residence facilities. And, and also, you know, the sort of the, the next iteration of this is to uh, start monitoring, um, you know, vital signs. So, um, you know, basic things, heart rate, blood, blood pressure, O2 saturation, weight, and things like that. And the extent to which you were doing it remotely means that the uh, staff in the building uh, during a pandemic like we're in now, now um, they're not having to have as many touches with each uh, resident, and therefore we're using less PPE, um, and it's, you know, more efficient. Uh, but, you know, it does get down to the challenge of interoperability that, you know, you don't want to have to have staff doing double data entry because obviously that's time-consuming as well as uh, a potential for um, error. And we're going to talk a little bit more um, in just a minute about uh, remote patient monitoring more broadly and about the vital sign monitoring and, and where you see this project going in the future. But first, I just want to um, once again thank our podcast sponsor, Kajit. Whether to enable digital access that ensures patients have a reliable connection to telehealth providers or connect and control remote patient monitoring devices, Kajit provides a managed IoT platform that helps you launch a complex mobile solution. And you can learn more once again at get.kajit.net slash health IoT. So Larry, uh, you started to say, you know, going, you know, in, for the future plan of this, there's going to be more complex monitoring, vital signs monitoring. Tell me a little bit about that. How much are you, are you doing already? What does the roadmap look like? Well, I mean, right now we have these uh, vital sign machines that, you know, we're using and, and they are connected into our um, health, health record. But I think some of the uh, remote is, is sort of the next level that, um, you know, here again, the same company that's doing the, uh, Virtue Sense Alert um, have a product called Virtue Virtue One, which is a patch that somebody has on them, and it's um, connected right into the the um, system. Here again, um, so that they're co consistently monitoring all those vital signs. And as I said, then you don't have as many um, resident touches uh, by the staff. You're saving PPE, plus you're it's a continuous monitoring thing as opposed to what, what every two hours or whatever the protocol might be um, wanting us to, wanting the staff to do. And is that something that you would eventually see yourself using with every resident, every patient, or um, is it kind of a case by case basis, people who have conditions or have a special particular need for, for well, I mean, cer certainly with the COVID um, anyone who's uh, positive for, for COVID, you would want to use it for. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, I I think it this is probably I I probably know the answer, but I think it's it's worth asking. You know, the, obviously you did 
use the CARES funds to do this. And so in some sense, it was a response to COVID. But I assume that these these new protocols and technologies and changes are, are things that you hope to continue to have be standard of care even after the pandemic is over. Well, I mean, when we see an 80% reduction in falls, I mean, that's hard. Right. That's going to be hard to say, let's stop doing this. <laughs> and, the, and, you know, on the other hand, it's like, Everybody should be doing this could be because, you know, as, as an industry, resident falls is a huge liability. Um, no, you know, just n never mention the fact that, you know, people are getting hurt. But um, just from a, a legal liability point of view, it, it's it's uh, a real it's really problematic. So uh, it's well worth it if you're going to get that kind of uh, result from it. So, you know, hope, hopefully it. You know, like the price of computers has come down over the years, the, the price of this kind of technology, if it's more affordable, um, certainly should be more widespread in use. So that is a good segue, because I was going to ask sort of what advice you have for other folks with similar organizations who are, might be looking to deploy something like this. Well, I mean, for, first of all, I think, you know, everybody should be investing in their um, in technology infrastructure. I mean, you, you've, you, you've got to have the bandwidth to, to do this uh, sort of thing. We, we've been piloting a, a number of other products over the years. Um, you know, one was a radar sensor um, be, before we were doing this uh, camera. Uh, and I think that, that has great, great potential too. Uh, radar doesn't seem to be as intrusive uh, because it's, you know, tracking motion. Um, but here again, you've got to have the technology to do that. And we, we had piloted that particular product uh, about a year ago uh, before we had the bandwidth we, we now have. And, uh, you know, that project really couldn't take off until we had increased the uh, technology infrastructure. And you know some right. of these some of these pilots that that we're doing, um, they all don't work. Um, like the, the radar one, I think it sounds good. I think it has good potential. It's just not ready yet. And so um, you know, you just you can't be afraid to take risks uh, when you're trying and uh, piloting these new technologies. And uh, you just need to, you know, fail quickly and move on. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are there is there anything about the either the technology or policy or regulation or, you know in the environment that you feel you know, needs to be improved or, or changed in order to to make these kinds of uh, technologies and, and adoptions more widespread? So you know one th one thing is uh, we we was the removal of the cross border physician licensing. Now that changed um, you know because of COVID uh, and a good number of regulations were were, were removed around that. And so hopefully those regulations don't come back when the pandemic is over. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, access to this kind of technology um, needs to be available to all demographic groups. Uh, a lot of times the technology can be excluded to those who uh, may need it the most uh, because it's not affordable. And then I think another thing would be, um, you know, a lot of these technologies was Technologies rely on connectivity uh, to wireless, but uh, if with a slight shift of uh, operability to uh, using 4G and 5G networks, uh, that could be an um, alternative to having to provide the capital to install the enterprise-grade wireless systems.
So that's something that uh, the government certainly could help with. Yeah. Um, it Also, I, I wonder about, you know, the, these fu particular funds were made available via the CARES Act. Certainly the FCC has also had various grant pro um, programs to, you know, to, to help with, with connectivity. Um, but do, do you think it would be helpful if there were sort of an ongoing source of of federal money that could support projects like this? Or? Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, just our case in, in point, uh, I don't know whether we would have invested so much of it all at once if we hadn't been fortunate enough to be given that award. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think we're going to write a, have a great white paper to write one of these days uh, with these, with the results. And I hope it's the impetus for uh FCC to uh, provide some of these grants for people to, uh, you know, take the risk and and try something new and, and see what see how it can benefit. Yeah, I mean, eighty percent really is incredible, and falls are such a such a big problem. I mean, in terms of of expense to the system and and um, and risk to, to the elderly, so it's a great it's a great story to hear. <laughs> um. Any other long-term plans or, or, or any other technologies you have your eye on, even beyond remote patient monitoring or, um, you know, given the success of this, as you think about uh, where you might go in the future? Yeah, and it's, it's really um, taking this to the next level where we can, you know, have a product available through our home care company, uh, where we can be doing some remote uh, patient monitoring uh, for people who are at home who are not either ready or willing or able to, uh, you know, come into a community or, or right now with the pandemic, they want to stay home, but they're at risk if they stay home. So I think the extent to which we can have some kind of uh, technology to uh, uh, have it, have in that those folks' homes, and then maybe they connect to our central office, and we're so we're monitoring from our central office, and then we can deploy staff um, accordingly. Would would uh, I think would be helpful and probably is one of our next steps. That's awesome. Yeah, people, I mean, the system feels, it feels like the system works better when people sort of have options about how they want to, you know, in, age and, and live in, in, as they age. Yeah. I mean, staying, staying at home um, is fine for some, but, uh, you know, we, we were, as human beings, we were meant to live in community and, uh, I can't tell you how many times in my over 40 years of being in this business, um, I've seen someone move into uh, one of our buildings and a month later, the family comes to me and said, what did you do to mom? She's like totally engaged, it's, you know, come back to life. Um, and, you know, the, the answer is that they were living at home alone in, in social isolation and now they're living in community with with friends and um, engaged in life. And it, it makes a difference in, in how we cope. For in, sure. In most cases. Yeah, but that's a, that's such an interesting perspective. I feel like a lot of times people don't think about it that way. And, I, yeah. and, the, and the other thing is I can't tell you how many times people have come in and they'll say, oh my gosh, why did I wait so long? I should have come in years ago. That's the greatest marketing message I can have, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, from the folks themselves. Um, it's it's great it's great work that you do and it's it's great that you have you know real contact with the 
with the folks who are who are living at your um, your facilities at, at UMC. Thanks so much for joining me, Larry. Sure. It's been well, a, really a pleasure I appreciate the to opportunity chat. to uh, share our story with you, and uh, it's been nice to meet you. Yeah, and keep us posted, um, especially if you get that white paper published. Well, <laughs> oh, that that's that's a, that's definitely coming. <laughs> uh, well, I, again, thank you, and thank all of you for listening to Him's Cast. We always really appreciate your support. We certainly would appreciate uh, if you can leave a rating, subscribe, or tell a friend about the podcast. And thanks again to Khajiit for making this podcast possible. Khajiit is the only managed IoT connectivity services provider in the industry to offer a scalable IoT management platform, Sentinel, that includes complete visibility into real-time data usage, policy control management, custom content filters for added security, and multi-network flexibility. Khajiit is your trusted partner to enable your healthcare IoT solutions. Visit get.kajit.net slash healthIoT to learn more. So thanks, Kajit. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, all of you. And uh, we'll include a link to Bill Sawicki's excellent article about uh, Larry and UMC in our show notes. And until next time, stay safe.